From the newsrooms of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, this is Inside Politics from Please Explain. I'm Jacqueline Maley. It's Friday, December 15. At the United Nations headquarters in Midtown Manhattan on Wednesday, Australia voted in favour of a United Nations resolution calling for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Australia has broken with the United States, voting in favour of a ceasefire in Gaza at the United Nations General Assembly. The UN vote coincided with a separate development in Australia's position on Gaza. The vote came just hours after the Prime Minister called for the suspension of fighting. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese joined with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and New Zealand Prime Minister Christopher Luxon to issue a statement supporting a pause in the fighting in Gaza and efforts towards a sustainable ceasefire. Both of these moves, the statement and the ceasefire motion, were a break from the position of our powerful allies, the United States and the United Kingdom. So why this shift in policy and will it make any difference? Is Israel losing sympathy among its allies, including Australia? And does a ceasefire mean different things to different people? Joining us to discuss these very complex issues, we have our chief political correspondent, David Crow and the inimitable Matthew Knott, our foreign affairs correspondent. Welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Hi, Jackie. G'day, Jackie. Matt, talk us through the United Nations resolution that we signed on to this week. What does it actually say? Yes, so when you look at the text of this resolution, it's actually pretty simple and straightforward. It has three main parts. The first is uh, demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the war. It calls for all parties in the war to comply with international law and it demands the immediate and unconditional release of all hostages and humanitarian access to them. They're the three main points, and Australia was one of the 153 nations to vote in favour of this. Only 10 nations voted against it, and 23 abstained. So Australia has put itself very much in the mainstream of international opinion on this issue. Mm. But it is nonetheless a significant change from how we voted on a similar resolution in October. So tell us what happened in October. Yes. So this was the surprise that people in this space knew that this vote was coming. I think the general expectation was that Australia would probably abstain again. So in late October, there was a vote. The text of the resolution was different. The previous one was essentially calling for a ceasefire as well. The language was different around hostages. It actually didn't talk about hostages directly. It talked about civilians in captivity. And many people didn't like that because they felt it was downplaying the hostage issue. Uh, The stated reason for Australia not supporting it the last time around was that it made no mention of Hamas, Mm. no condemnation of the attacks on October 7. Now, neither did the latest resolution Uh, The US and Austria tried to put up amendments to that effect. Australia supported those amendments, but they didn't get enough votes to succeed. So Australia has voted still for this one, despite it not having uh, a condemnation of Hamas in there. Okay, so the wording of the two resolutions was slightly different, but still it's a significant sort of government shift in the position, isn't it, David? So can you tell us what has actually changed Has the situation changed or has the government's thinking changed on why they supported this one and not the last one? Both have changed. And I think the really fundamental point, it is a shift. There's a shift in government position. People in the government, such as Penny Wong as foreign minister, want to smooth that over because there's always blowback when you take a position here. But we have to recognise that there's been a shift. 
for two reasons. The first is that there's this growing concern in the Australian community about what's happening in Gaza. There has been constant media coverage of civilian deaths in Gaza, and there's community concern in Australia and community concern for good reason. The second is that there's been basically an argument to the government from within its own ranks, including a lot of Labor people who are in a group such as Labor Friends of Palestine or simply in the Labor branches who want a more assertive position from the Australian government in favour of a ceasefire. Mm. Last time uh, on the previous vote at the United Nations with the abstention, there was this question for the government, why are you abstaining on a resolution that's in favour of a ceasefire? Now, there was an explanation for that. They, the, the argument from Penny Wong was, well, that resolution did not condemn Hamas. This latest resolution does not condemn Hamas either. But there is this groundswell of support for a ceasefire. And Australia's not alone here. The government has supported this resolution alongside Japan, South Korea, Singapore, New Zealand, countries that are friends of ours that are also allies of the United States. Here, the United Kingdom abstained on this resolution rather than voting with the United States. So Australia wasn't some, making some rogue move to vote for this mm. uh, resolution in the past few days. It really was a question of the circumstances changing and getting worse in Gaza, the community concern about that, and the fact that that community concern was reflected inside the Labor caucus, yep. where people said, look, we need to take a, a firmer line. It's not a rogue stance by any means, but it is a departure from our two major allies, you know, the United Kingdom and the United States. So it's sort of significant in that sense. I do want to ask, Noddy, what's the actual impact of a vote like this? Does it actually achieve anything? Is it binding? Uh, no. United Nations General Assembly votes like this are non-binding. Uh, it won't directly impact the war or cause it to end. Uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been out this week saying that Israel is very much continuing with its military campaign. The leader of Hamas's political bureau in Qatar has actually said the same thing. We're, we're committed to this fight. Uh, so the UN vote doesn't change the world in that sense. But Israel is impacted by international opinion and international pressure. Uh, votes of the United Nations do tend to go against Israel. This one was even more so than usual. They think that the UN is biased against them. Uh, Israeli public opinion uh, is still in favour of the war and Netanyahu is primarily accountable to his domestic political constituency. But all that said, Israel knows that it needs some space to operate here, particularly America's support. Without America's support, it won't be able to keep going. So all these votes and the way countries like Australia think about it is they're trying to add to pressure bit by bit on Israel to say, you're going to have to change. This war can't go on forever. You're going to have to rein yourself in at some point. And people in this space, including supporters of Israel, acknowledge that the war can't go ever. International legitimacy, to the extent it exists, will eventually run out. Is it in a month? Is it in six weeks? Is it in two months? This war isn't going to go forever. David, what is the opposition saying about us signing this resolution? There's a very simple message from the opposition. It, it doesn't uh, support this resolution at all, is highly critical of the government for voting 
for a resolution that doesn't condemn Hamas and so paints Labor as divided and weak. I think there was a very you know, simple message from the defence spokesman within the coalition, Andrew Hasty, former soldier, saying, you know, you don't give your enemy sort of time to take a breather. You, you keep fighting until the job is done. But I found his statement to be very simple because he, he didn't really acknowledge the civilian casualties in Gaza. And that's the complexity. It's not as simple as fighting on a clear, open battlefield where you want to vanquish your opponent. That's not the situation. It's a terrible you know, situation with a lot of civilian casualties. So the coalition does not really engage on that subject and paints this as Labor being weak on Hamas. And I think it's worth mentioning that the vote at the UN was not taken in isolation because Anthony Albanese as Prime Minister was negotiating with Prime Ministers in Canada and New Zealand to put out a a joint statement that does condemn Hamas. Yeah, so let's talk about that because separately to the UN resolution, Australia joined with Canada and New Zealand to sign a statement which calls for a pause with efforts towards a ceasefire. So, Matt, we're really getting into the sort of diplomatic fine-tuning here, but if we come back to what Australia's position is exactly, is it pro-ceasefire? Is it pro-ceasefire for now? Is it pro-pause? Is it pro-humanitarian pause? Like, what what are we actually saying here? Well, you can feel pedantic to talk about this, but I don't think it is pedantic because it is getting to what does Australia, what does the government think about very important, very serious issues? So the language matters and people in this field are are tracking it very closely. And this was the very interesting thing uh, on Wednesday was that we woke up to this very uh, very early morning statement from the leaders of Australia, New Zealand and Canada. A very detailed statement, quite even-handed, as David said, talking about Hamas, also talking about the terrible situation in Gaza, steps towards a ceasefire. A very strong and interesting statement, but not a big advance on what Australia's previous position was, what Penny Wong has said. Then came the vote at the UN in favour of an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. And we get into what does an immediate humanitarian ceasefire mean? I think many people, uh, people perhaps out protesting on the street demanding this, other nations at the UN would interpret immediate humanitarian ceasefire as stop the war. Cease hostilities. Israel, stop the military campaign. I guess you would say the same of Hamas as well. The government has come out straight away. Our representative, the United Nations and Penny Wong, has said what this resolution means is we support more pauses like the one we saw in November. We welcome the humanitarian pause agreed by the parties in November and brokered by the United States, Egypt and Qatar. This resolution, which we have, which, uh, we have supported, is a call for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. This is the world coming together to urge uh, that these pauses be resumed so civilians can get the humanitarian aid they desperately need. The war stopped for those days. Hostages were returned to Israel. Palestinian prisoners were released. And the government is saying we want to see more of that. The United States uh, brokered that deal. Israel supported it. They felt it was something they could live with. Uh, But then it fell apart. So the question is, are we talking here about the war ending or are we talking about more pauses to the war? And I think the government has been quite, I guess you could say, audacious. You could say creative. You could say... They're taking advantage of this ambiguity 
to support a ceasefire in that context, whereas I think most people are interpreting the word ceasefire in a bigger, more systemic way. I want to talk, David, about the internals of the Labor Party on this because we know there is a diversity of opinion within the Labor Party on Israel-Palestine and that is reflected on the front bench and within Cabinet. On Wednesday, we had Labor Minister Ed Husick, who is one of Australia's first Muslim ministers, commenting on the conflict in a radio interview, which he has done before. But he he really made a strong case. He said that Israel's military action was very disproportionate. He said Palestinian children are not Hamas and that they were paying too high a price for the war. He also said, of course, that the October 7 Hamas attack was truly horrific. Uh, My concern is that uh, Israel, in terms of the way in which so many people have lost their lives that are not attached to Hamas, that are innocent and have nothing to do with the barbarity of Hamas. Uh, There are people across the world uh, who are deeply concerned by what they've seen on their screens, what they've learned has happened, uh, and I don't think that's in Israel's long-term interests. Israel says... Peter Dutton then said, you know, those comments on of Ed Husick went too far. How significant was Ed's intervention into the debate? And is he speaking for a large portion of the front bench? Is he speaking for his electorate? Who's he speaking for? He's speaking for the community because he is a member for Western Sydney. So he does have a community that uh, with many Muslim members. But he's speaking as a member of the executive as members of the executive are entitled to. Um, and sometimes in politics, you don't see a, enough open debate, but mm-hmm. here we are seeing it. He's got an opinion. He gives voice to that. One of the Labor backbench members, Josh Burns, uh, of Jewish faith and Jewish background, he gives voice to his opinions as well. My, my position that I've held uh, consistently, which is also the position of the Australian government, is that any any ceasefire has to be a two-sided negotiated outcome and any ceasefire has to be an agreement between two parties. And the foreign minister and the prime minister in his statement has reiterated that Hamas cannot be a part of the future governance of Gaza. Uh, they are a terrorist organisation and they need to be disarmed. And I think it's really fundamental that you recognise the Labor caucus has got a diversity there that other parties do not have. Labor has... Jewish members, Muslim members, it has a greater internal debate about where it lands on this incredibly vexed issue. Much more so than others, it's relatively easy for the Greens to take a more pro-Palestine line with every position they take. It's pretty much effortless at the moment for the Liberals to take a much more pronounced pro-Israel line on every policy they take. The government is seeking nuance here, and that's a very difficult thing to do in politics. If people could step back from the, the idea, sometimes a false idea, that everybody in a party room has to say exactly the same thing and be on exactly the same page. I mean, that's, that's an idea that leads to the concept of the talking point, where everybody's so disciplined about what they say on radio every morning that they say the same thing and it's all really bland. There is a diversity in the caucus and that leads to a difference of opinion in the caucus. The more I look at it, the more I think it's a good thing. It's good that we've got a party with people like Josh Burns and Ed Husick from different backgrounds. And I'm looking at this debate thinking, 
why are we getting to a position where Peter Dutton condemns a minister for, for voicing an opinion you know, on something like this? Uh, don't we want greater diversity of opinion? Yeah. And, and a government ideally does have a diversity of opinion within its ranks to lead to a better policy outcome. Yeah, and to be cynically political about it, it's probably quite useful in a way for the Prime Minister to have different MPs voicing different opinions which will be supported by different parts of the Labor Party base mm. and the people who might vote for them. But when does that you know, healthy diversity become a sort of rabble, a lack of division, something that the coalition can then exploit? I think it gets to that point if they're if there are personal animosities that start driving this and when you get open bickering. And I don't think it's anywhere near that. And I don't see signs that it's going to get to that point. Just finally, Matt, US President Joe Biden said this week that Israel risks losing international support due to its indiscriminate bombing of Gaza. I think that uh, we have made it clear to the Israelis and they're aware that the independent, the, the safety of innocent Palestinians is still of great concern. And so the actions they're taking must be consistent with attempting to do everything possible to prevent innocent Palestinian civilians from being being hurt, murdered, killed, lost, etc. How big of a deal was that statement from the president and are we likely to see our government further shift position towards the humanitarian costs, the clear civilian toll of this conflict? and perhaps away from, you know, full support of Israel and its right to defend itself. Mm. Well, this is a big issue. Despite uh, the US, you know, voting against this resolution at the UN and the US being Israel's closest ally, there have been tensions right along the way. Uh, Joe Biden did embrace uh, Netanyahu after the October 7 attacks and went to Israel. Joe Biden is uh, very popular in Israel. You know, he's not so popular in America right now, but uh, he's a very popular figure in Israel where Netanyahu is quite unpopular. But there is tension between them about the way that Israel is conducting this war. America's tried to keep it more in-house. They're saying that their role is to be Israel's friend, but to give them frank advice behind the scenes and to try and shift their behaviour. They have a view, which some people may disagree with, but they think that by keeping Israel inside the tent, they can get things done there in terms of getting aid into Gaza, changing their military strategy. But it's starting to spill out uh, a bit more now, this this disagreement. There's also a disagreement between uh, Biden and Netanyahu about what should happen after the war, what should happen in Gaza, should there be a role for the Palestinian Authority in governing that there. And this is going to be a huge issue over the coming weeks, because while we talk about Australia's position and the coherence of it. Israel has set hugely ambitious goals for this war, essentially to eliminate Hamas as a governing authority. It's still very unclear if that is a realistic goal. Australia actually says we support it as well, but we're many weeks into this war and there's no sign that's going to happen. Uh, Is that realistic? Is there some other way that Israel can claim some sense of victory and end this war and and try and get to a better future here. That's going to be the big question in coming weeks. Mm. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. And we'll have you back on next year. David, I know this is your last week with us. Before you go on holidays next week, see you in 2024. Plenty to talk about and we'll talk again then. Cheers, Jackie. Have a good Christmas. Today's episode of Please Explain was produced by Chi Wong. 
with technical assistance from Debbie Harrington. Our executive producer is Ruby Schwartz. Please Explain is a production of The Age and the Sydney Morning Herald. If you enjoyed the show and want more of our journalism, subscribe to our newspapers today. It's the best way to support what we do. Search The Age or smh.com.au forward slash subscribe. I'm Jacqueline Maley. This is Inside Politics from Please Explain. Thanks for listening.